Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lands. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. 1 Samuel chapter 27. So why don't you turn your Bibles and open right up to 1 Samuel 27. As we've been going through this um, wonderful book, you know, there's been so many different characters and so many interesting things that have taken place in 1 Samuel, and tonight is going to be um, different. We'll put it that way in chapter 27. But just recapping what we learned in chapter 26 is for the second time, David had a perfect opportunity to take over as king of Israel by taking Saul's life. As David's men were saying to him before, you know, God's given him into your hands. Just go ahead, get it done. We can quit wandering around and, and uh, fighting for our lives here. Just take care of it, David. But once again, David says he would not touch the Lord's anointed. But he let Saul know that he had the opportunity. And at the end, as we look again at the end, uh, Saul appears to be somewhat repentant. We don't really know for sure. But in verse 25 of chapter uh, 26, it says that then Saul said to David, Blessed are you, my son David. You will both accomplish much and surely prevail. So David went on his way and Saul returned to his place. So it sounds like a pretty good deal here. Saul's going home. Uh, Seems like David can go ahead and do what he wants to do at this point in time. But as we look at chapter 27, we're going to find out that that's not really what happens here. So let's uh, read through. It's only 12 verses, so we should be out of here by 10, 30, or 11 tonight. And uh, what I want to do is a little bit different. We're just going to read through. I'm not going to give you any commentary at all at first. We're just going to read through the story of exactly what takes place here. So follow along with me if you would. Verse 1, it says, Then David said to himself, Now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines. Saul then will despair of searching for me anymore in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. So David arose and crossed over. He and the 600 men who were with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam, uh, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's widow. Now, verse 4, it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he no longer searched for them. Verse 5, Then David said to Achish, Now, if I have found favor in your sight, let them give me a place in one of the cities in the country that I may live there. For why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. The number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. Verse 8, Now David and his men went up and raided the Jeshurites and the Gerzites and the Amalekites. 
For they were the inhabitants of the land from ancient times, as you come to shore, even as far as the land of Egypt. David attacked the land and did not leave a man or woman alive. And he took away the sheep, the cattle, the donkeys, the camels, and the clothing. Then he returned and came to Achish. Now Achish said, where have you made a raid today? And David said, against the Negev of Judah, and against the Negev of the Jeremilites, and against the Negev of the Kenites. David did not leave a man or woman alive to bring to Gath, saying, otherwise they will tell about us. Saying, so David has done, and so has been his practice all the time he has lived in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David, saying, He has surely made himself odious among his people Israel. Therefore, he will become my servant forever. Now, I hope as you were reading this that you were disturbed. I hope you were reading this going, wait a minute. And maybe if you read it slower, you'd really begin to ask yourself a lot of questions. Chapter 27 is a very difficult chapter to deal with. And I can tell you that because of the many commentators that I read whenever I'm doing a study, very many of them did not even give one comment on this chapter. It's so difficult to look at this chapter. Even J. Vernon McGee, who comments on almost every verse in the Bible, if you follow him, you know that, he only comments on verse 2. And he gives a couple of sentences and he ends it with this. He says, there is nothing in this chapter that would reveal that David is a man of God. That's his summary of the whole chapter. And you know, when we look at it, it's true. What we see in this chapter is that David took his men along with their families into the land of his enemies and their enemies. And he ended up serving the king of his enemy. If you noticed, he became a liar, a bandit or a raider, a murderer, and he was killing other enemies of Israel while all the while pretending that he was raiding Jewish communities so that he could win the loyalty of the Philistine king, Achish. David was in a bad place, and I'm not talking about geographically. It's interesting as you read through all of the, uh, the scholars that search out when the times of the Psalms were written, it's interesting they all agreed. David, during this period of time, did not write one psalm. Not one. And this chapter is just, it's so hard to understand. We have talked about, and the very title of this book is A Man After God's Own Heart. And we just watched David do something that we would look at and say, wow, there is a godly, godly person there. He did what was right in spite of the fact he could have made his life much easier if he would have done what was wrong. So we look at it and we say, how can a man after God's own heart, how can he act this way? 
How can he steal and lie and then cover it all up? How can a person that we look to as a great and godly example do such terrible, terrible things? Remember it said he didn't leave a man or a woman alive. And that's a very legitimate question to ask, and it's a difficult question to answer, and we really need to give it the time that it's, that it's due, rather than to just gloss over it and go, oh, okay, well, that's what happened. No, it brings up some serious, serious questions. Now, a couple of the commentators, interestingly enough, of the very few that did comment on this, a couple of them said, well, look, there's, there's probably some justification for David killing the people that he did. Why? Well, because these people were supposed to be destroyed way back <clears throat> in the time of Joshua. If you read in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verses 16 through 18, you'll see that God had ordered these people to be destroyed for a reason. And that reason was given in verse 18 of Deuteronomy 20. It says, So that they may not teach you to do according to all their detestable things which they have done for their gods, so that you would sin against the Lord your God. Those same commentators then would also say, look, it's important that we don't try to judge everything by the standards of and mores of our day. When we go back into ancient times, the practices were different, the culture was different. What was acceptable, and we're not saying acceptable before God, but was acceptable in that time period is not like it was today. And, and there is truth to that. You know, I've often said uh, people today look back at the United States using nuclear weapons against Japan, and a lot of people say this is the, a, a horrible thing, and, and they try to judge it by where we are today, which isn't really fair, because they weren't there. They don't know what's happening. They don't know that it's probably saved millions and millions of, or at least hundreds of thousands of American lives as well as thousands and thousands of Japanese lives as well. But we try to judge it according to what we know today, and, and you can't really do that. So there, there is something to that. And it's hard for us to know, well, why would God want these people destroyed? Why would he do that? Well, it's really hard for us today to understand the detestable practices that were spoken of in Deuteronomy. The evil, horrible things that were done uh, by those people groups. But you know, it's interesting because I think today it might not be as hard for us to understand as it once was. When we look at what's going on with ISIS, I think it becomes easier to understand why God would order a people group to be destroyed. Only he knows whether anyone would ever change, anyone would ever turn to him. Uh, but when we look at the horrible things that they are perpetrating on people today, I think we can begin to maybe understand that. So these particular commentators, I think, are trying to find a way to justify David's actions here. Because I think it's so hard for them to really believe that David could do such terrible acts. But I think 
And I believe strongly that we cannot justify what David did here in this situation, even with the knowledge that we have. Why? Because as we see, David was not acting on any orders from God here. He didn't seek God. He didn't ask God what to do. He just went out and did it. And the truth was, David was killing these people not because God had ordered him to, but he was raiding their villages for a few reasons. One is he had to provide for his 600 men and their families. Two is he could lie about it and tell Achish that he was raiding Achish's enemies, the Jews, and curry favor with the king in that way. So there was not a justification for what he was doing. Well, you might give another explanation, and we often say this, well, we're all humans, you know, we're not perfect, we make mistakes. And that's true enough. We would all agree with that, would we not? However, don't we expect more of a person who represents God? These are not minor offenses we're talking here. These are not a person who just missed the mark. These are major offenses that David is committing here. You know, when you think about it, we expect more people who don't even believe in God than that. We don't expect people who are atheists to murder and rob. We would expect more than that. But certainly from someone who we could look to and say, this is a godly example, we wouldn't expect that kind of behavior. You know, in fact, think about it this way. Have you ever said this about a Christian before? How could they claim to be a Christian and do this terrible thing? I don't think they're even saved. How many of you have ever done that? Come on, confess. We look at something that a person does and we go, how could they do that? They're a Christian. They're telling me they're a Christian. I don't think so. Well, second part of that is, have you ever asked yourself that question after doing something terrible? Or have you ever said... I don't even know if I'm saved. I don't know how I could do that. How can I call myself a Christian and do such a terrible thing? You know, we expect better of ourselves, and we should. We're constantly being exhorted in the Word of God to live a holy life, one that's pleasing to God, one that's worthy of our calling. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, implore you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now look at what this entails. With all humility, gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. Philippians 1.27 says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Colossians 1.10 and 11 says, So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 2.12 says, so that you would walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. And then we think about what Jesus himself said in Matthew 5.48. He says, therefore, you are to be, what? You know this. Perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. 
So certainly we should expect better of one who claims to be representing God. And these are really high expectations. But I think that we all desire to attain to those expectations. I would think that David, with the relationship that he had with God from a very young age, would have high expectations upon himself. So how do we explain this? Well, the truth is, is that all of us, every single one of us, is susceptible to falling into a dark place like David did. No one is exempt. I don't care how strong a Christian you are. I don't care how many years you've been walking with the Lord. We are all susceptible to falling into a dark place, even pastors. Maybe you didn't think that, but it's true. And the fact is that maybe someone in here is even in that place tonight. Oh, maybe it's not as bad as what David was doing. Maybe, hopefully, you're not murdering and stealing and lying, but maybe you're in a dark place. Maybe you're in a place of disobedience tonight. Maybe you're in that place that you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing and you know you shouldn't be doing them. Well, I hope tonight we'll speak to you. Now look, as some of those commentators did, I don't think we want to try to justify David's behavior in any way during this time period. So why would we even want to look at any more of this chapter? It's so hard to deal with. Well, I think there are some important lessons that we can look at here and that we can learn from what happened to David. So we want to go back to the beginning and we want to look and see, how did this all go wrong? How did David go from this place of this mighty victory in the Lord to the place that he's in now? Where did it go wrong? And how can we learn to not make the same mistakes that David made here? Now, the first mistake we see, it's, it's right off the bat in verse 1. Look at verse 1. It says, Then David said to himself, David said to himself, this is David, he's talking to himself right here. The New King James Version, I think, probably translates this a little more accurately. It says, David said in his heart. And remember, you know, the heart is the center of the being to a Jewish person. The word itself is, is lab in Hebrew. And according to Strong's, it's used figuratively in, in a wide sense for, for the feelings that you have, the will, and the intellect, all three of those involved. So you can think about, you know, David is, he's listening to himself and he's, his feelings get involved. And then his own intellect, his own will. That's where he starts off. David is speaking to himself. Instead, he should have been paying attention to what God had already shown him and told him. So on one hand, his feelings are saying to him, follow along in verse 1 again, look at what his feelings are saying to him. It kind of reminds me of Eeyore. Now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. That's what his feelings are telling him. There's nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines. What? Saul then will despair of searching for me anymore in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. So you see where he went from his feelings to his intellect. He's got this figured out. 
and then it goes over to his will. And he does what he says to himself. Well, I got news for you. In case you didn't know this, I want to tell you something. Your feelings will lie to you. Did you know that? They will tell you things that aren't true. We get our feelings hurt all the time, and then we start thinking things. You know, uh, someone says something bad about us, and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're thinking, oh, I'm this terrible person. You're, they're right. I did this. I did that. Or maybe you're the other way, and you're, you know, you're telling the other person he's a jerk, but that would be me. But you're probably thinking, oh, I am. I'm just terrible. I'm just... And you go on, and you go on, and you go on, and you go on, and your feelings start lying to you. And they lie to you about your situation, and they lie to you about what you should be doing. See, God had already shown David that he was going to be king over Israel. Not just once, but many times. If you wanted to turn back and look, you could for Samuel 16, 13. Remember? Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. Samuel told him, I'm anointing you to be king. Jonathan... Saul's son, David's brother. In 1 Samuel 18, 3-5, he says, Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him, and most scholars agree this was probably a royal robe because he was the natural heir, and gave it to David with his armor, including his sword and his bow and his belt. And what he was saying is, look, I'm giving this to you because you're the one that's going to inherit this throne. Abigail, remember just two chapters ago? Abigail, what did she speak to David? In 1 Samuel 25, 28 through 31, she said, For the Lord will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my master, her master being David, that's how she's speaking to him, because he fights the Lord's battles. Let no wrongdoing be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my master will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. When the Lord has done for my master every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him leader over Israel, my master will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or having avenged himself. Remember Abigail through this prophecy Help David to not make mistakes earlier. And even Saul himself in chapter 24, verse 20 said, I know that you will surely be king and that the kingdom of Israel will be established in your hands. David, how many times do you have to be told? After all of this, why would David think that now all of a sudden God's going to abandon him and say such a thing as, I will surely die at the hands of Saul? It's hard to imagine, isn't it? Except that we're human too. Now look, certainly we can understand David's feelings, right? He's been running around for a long time. He's tired of getting chased everywhere and threatened by Saul and... And so we can understand that he might react in fear still and in despair, just letting all that sink into him. You know, he knows the reality of the situation. Even though Saul said to him, okay, you know, that's it, I'm done. I'm not going to chase you around anymore. He knows Saul's lied before. He said that before 
And he certainly didn't follow through on that. So David's experience tells him, look, Saul may do this all over again. I don't know. So he allows that to sink in and then he begins to think, I better take some action here. But it is interesting if you look back in chapter 26 that you know, Saul basically went home. I don't know if Saul had any real intention of chasing David around anymore or not. We don't know. Hi everybody, this is Cameron Thomas here, and I'm sitting here with Pastor Michael, and we're about to embark on a new adventure for Living Truth Radio. It's not going to replace the program that you're listening to right now, it's actually in addition to what you're listening to. So, Pastor Michael, what's this new adventure that we're embarking on? The new adventure is called The Bible Answer Show, Cameron, and it is a show to get questions from our listening audience and to give them answers. The tagline is, you've got questions... We've got answers. At least we hope to have all the answers, Cameron. And so it's a live interaction show, Q&A style. When can people listen to this new show? This show is going to be on from 12 to 1 Pacific time every Friday. So that's the time, 12 to 1 Pacific time on Fridays. And how can people access this? There's a number of ways to access it, Cameron, and the hub of it all is livingtruthradio.org. That's our website. And I'm hoping that our listening audience has already been there, livingtruthradio.org. And there they'll be able to find out all the different ways to interact with the Bible Answer Show. And the different vehicles are Facebook Live, live YouTube channel. We'll have podcasting where they can go back and listen to the show later. And they can even email questions to us at answers at livingtruthradio.org. That's answers at livingtruthradio.org. Awesome. So make sure you guys get those questions into us because otherwise we're trying to guess what questions you have and we're not mind readers. So get those questions into us so we can answer them for you on Fridays. Pastor Michael, anything? Last thoughts? Well, you're kind of the Facebook guy, Cameron, and I was thinking when people go to Facebook Live and they they have to like the Bible Answer Show, right? So tell them about how to like it and then how to get their questions. You have to go to facebook.com slash Bible Answer Show. There's no the, just Bible Answer Show. And you like the page, and if you follow us on Facebook Live on Fridays, you can actually ask your questions there. That's the only real live format that you can ask your questions. Otherwise, you have to email them in. And when they do that, they'll be able to interact with us live and get their questions answered right there on the spot. So that's it's going to be great, Cameron, and we're really excited. And yeah, I just want to tell you guys... Keep us in prayer on the Bible Answer Show. We're adding this as a new show. We know you have questions, and you may have friends, family members have questions. They may live in other states or even another country. Tell them about the show. Keep us in prayer, and join us this Friday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time on the Bible Answer Show. Can't wait to be with you guys. On behalf of Living Truth Radio and Pastor Michael Lance, blessings to you all. LivingTruthRadio.org Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.